everybody. Welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast brought to you by All About the Jersey. My name is Dan Roselle and I'm joined by John Fisher for a fun weekend episode. How's it going, John? I am tired, Dan, because I stayed up for that San Jose game <laughs> last night and that was a poor decision. Yeah, you have a long weekend ahead of you as well as every Devils fan who plans to stay up and watch these games as they continue their West Coast swing. But we'll kind of recap the whole thing after this weekend ends in our uh, early week episode. As you know, it's our weekend episode, so we like to get questions from you, have a little fun, and in the have a little fun department, John, I wanted to get your genuine reaction, so you had no idea that I have a game prepared for you today. Oh no, another game. I have another okay, game. What is- what is, what is the game, Game Master? And the game I've prepared for you today, because I wanted to record your genuine reaction when I told you the title. The The title of the game is Hockey or Shockey? Now, I'm going to oh, present sorry. you with five Shock, facts. Does it Jeremy Shockey? Oh, I, yes. The, the tight end, New York Giants tight end and Miami University legend Jeremy Shockey? Exactly. Jeremy Shockey. Oh, now, the, I have five <laughs> facts prepared for you. They either refer to... As you uh, mentioned, Jeremy Shockey, retired NFL tight end, or a hockey player who has played for the New Jersey Devils at some point this year. This season. At some point in this, yes, this season, I should say. Yeah, this year is confusing, but they were on the roster at some point in the 2019-2020 season. Okay. And you have to tell me if it's hockey or shockey that I'm referring to. Okay. I want to preface this by telling you that I once saw Jeremy Shockey up close and personal. <laughs> and let me tell you something. The the cameras, like all these football players, especially in the NFL, they're all listed at like 6'5", and they're 270 pounds or whatever. And it doesn't seem that big until you see somebody like regular next to them. Mm-hmm. And it's just remarkably impressive how large in stature these players are and and shockey was no different oh yeah he's built like a brick house like if you thought scott stevens who mind you was a very ripped man in his day and age but shockey be like yeah nah you wouldn't make it in this sport bro (laughs) well there's an amazing story from my uh, freshman soccer days at bergen academies as we played against bergen catholic and the freshman football team was twice our height as they ran past us these are (laughs) these are uh These are big individuals, and Jeremy Shockey is no exception. So, to that end, I have five facts prepared for you, and you have to tell me if they're about Shockey or about hockey. Are you ready, John? I I am as ready as a Miami (laughs) University fan could possibly be. Okay, I sure hope so. So, fact number one. This player has participated in 138 career games. I'm going to go with Shockey. You're going to go with Shockey. The answer, John, is hockey. Jeremy Shockey has 136 career games. And landing right next to him is Louis Domingue with 138 career NHL games. Yep, the now former devil. (laughs) So just it's going to be a lot like that. A lot of things are pretty close. So the next fact, his parents' names are Dave and Don. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm not familiar with Jeremy Shockey's bloodline. That's so, the idea. <laughs> so I'm going to go with uh, hockey on this one. It's hockey, and those are Dave and Don Rooney, Kevin Rooney's parents. Ah, there we go. I, I get one out of this, at least. If you're curious, Jeremy Shockey's parents' names are Lucinda and Jimmy. Not even close to Dave and Don. We're learning a lot today. <laughs> we are learning a lot about both our, our favorite hockey team and the life and times of Jeremy Shockey, former TE of the U. 
In fact, number three, this person attended Ada High School. Ada? Can you spell that for me, uh, Dan? A-D-A. <laughs> well, I, I was hoping it'd be, it'd be a little bit better. I'm going to go with hockey on this one. Hockey? No, it's shockey. That is in uh... Oklahoma, and that is where he's from. So he attended their school system. I, I didn't want to give you Oklahoma, because that seems a little obvious. Yeah, but, that uh, would have been a huge clue. There you go. So you're one for three so far. Two questions left. This is my favorite one. Shockey or hockey? He attended college in Miami starting in 2000. Hockey or shockey? <laughs> because the stupid thing, I'm actually thinking back to Andy Green's uh-huh. uh, career because he played for the Miami University Red Hawks. Mm-hmm. Miami of Ohio, because you only said Miami University. I said at Miami. Oh, at Miami. I wanted to keep it as ambiguous as possible. I'm going to go with Shockey because I'm pretty confident he was on that 2001 uh, national championship team. So your knowledge of national championship uh, college football does not betray you here. It is Shockey. Andy Green was 2002 at Miami of Ohio. I want to credit the 30 for 30 series, The U2, the sequel (laughs) to the legendary uh, documentary series, The U. (laughs) That one. There you go. So it helped you out there. You never know where you can find some of these facts. And the last fact, you are two and two. This is for the whole game. Get a majority of answers correct. And the question for you is, this person's birthday is August 7th. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. (laughs) August 7th. I am... This is weird because I almost want to say I know the devil who has an August 7th birthday. If you can name the devil if it is a devil that has an August 7th birthday or you name the one that's closest if it is Shockey, I'll give you a bonus point. I want to say Damon Severson was born on August 7th. John, you get two points for that question. Damon Severson was indeed born on August 7th. And Jeremy Shockey was born on August 18th. He actually shares that birthday with my father. So there you go. Good. That's the real connection there. Well, you know, so you get the bonus point. So you end the game at four and two, John. Congratulations. You win hockey or Shockey. I hope you enjoyed that one. (laughs) That that was definitely something I did not expect. That was a real challenge, a real uh, head scratcher. Uh, I got, you know. I just got so excited when I saw Miami. I was like, yes, Andy Green is the confounding factor here. That's but, right. Uh, but he was thankfully he was an undrafted free agent and signed in 2006, which meant his college career could have started no earlier than 2001. There you go. I don't, think they, I don't think they let you do six years in hockey. That's the multifaceted knowledge that gets you through this round. And hockey or shockey, uh, let us know if you want us to bring that one back. I will scrounge around for more Jeremy Shockey facts because really – Anything else is giveaway, but we'll do what we can. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's that's our game show for the weekend. And you mentioned when we started this call that there was uh, a few comments from our last episode, a few comments on Twitter um, when you mentioned that we were going to be recording today. So let's get to some of those and answer some questions because it hasn't been jam-packed with devil's news recently you know not since we recorded last time but i'm sure you guys have a lot of things you'd like to ask and maybe get off your chest absolutely so the people who matter dan our listeners our readers they come to us with the following questions uh, specifically four of them from what i uh, tweeted out earlier today this friday uh the our leap 
day eve, if you will. So first and foremost comes from uh, Jersey Joe at Jersey Devil OG. Mm -hmm. Pro tip, he might be from New Jersey, named Joseph and be a Devils fan. Uh, (laughs) His his question, I'm assuming it's a question because he forgot the question mark, but it's okay. I knew I, I can I can understand context. Who are you bringing in for next season? Okay. I feel I feel like this is a question better answered in two months. Well, this could be a question about any part of the team, right? Who you bringing in could refer to this possible free agents, could refer to a general manager, could refer to a coach. Absolutely. I'm could be thinking, a whole bunch of other positions too. Right. Yeah. I'm thinking he means a coach because that seems like it's the most likely. But I, I'm not positive what specifically he's referring to. But I mean, maybe it could be for us. Who are we bringing in next season? Who am I? I bring, ooh, I mean, there's a the first and foremost priority I would say is a general manager. I think yes. you can't really do much else without having that in place first. So if we narrow the search to just that, I think we've talked about this before. But there's a lot of candidates out there, and you never know. You could have someone appear from an analytics department like a Dubis or a Cheka to take over and kind of be on the younger side it would very much embody what the team's trying to do as a whole but as it stands now i mean fitzgerald will get a good chance to interview as well absolutely and at the end of the day it's up to what ownership is looking for specifically in terms of what they're going to do because the way the devils have approached this trade the deadline as tj um, eloquently posted after the coleman trade was that the devils are in rebuild Mm 2.0 or you know, depending on how you view the Devils as a whole, maybe the rebuild never ended, or this is rebuild number three, whatever. The point is, is that all the moves that Fitzgerald recently made are indicative of a team that's not going to be immediately good or significantly better right away, short of a perfect storm of movement and improvement within the roster and outside of the roster. So, but is that what ownership wants? Is ownership going to be patient for another two three four five seasons is or is ownership want somebody who's more aggressive somebody who's going to be a wheeler and dealer to get this team to winning ways or at the very least a playoff spot sometime in the near future unfortunately we don't know that answer and i don't think we're going to know that answer until the gm is hired and they start making some moves Mm -hmm. so i think to answer joe's question as cutely as possible the answer is yes people (laughs) will be brought in who they are when they will come and who exactly they are, that remains to be seen. And I'm sure we'll get more news and things will change in terms of people's availability as we get closer to the summer as well. You know, teams are going to do a lot of shuffling, the classic uh, season's over, time to make changes in management kind of deal going on. And I don't know if I would want anyone that is let go at that time, but it does widen the pool in terms of interviews. Right. So let's move on to some other questions and comments from the people who matter mm-hmm. our listenership uh chris wassell who has been hitting the online beat for years and years and years almost as long as i have maybe longer even so that's chris wassell he now does the whole you know dfs sort of thing you know daily fantasy sports mm-hmm. anyway this is more of a cute question from him he wants to know when does the injury ninja get his 15 minutes <laughs> <laughs> basically the injury ninja account hasn't tweeted anything in a while but as he notes uh he is always lurking. I, I think the injury ninja is probably a lot bigger in Ohio right now. Yeah. He may be an infamous figure there. His only appearance with the Devils right now is impacting Will Butcher. Uh, he is not on this road trip. He was ruled out from the road trip even before the Devils left for Detroit. So he is currently the only guy that is injured to a significant degree. 
Um, the Devils, oddly enough, Dad, have been very fortunate from an <laughs> standpoint. I was like, just that's almost, about that's to say. Thing about this season is that last season, you know, the second half of last season, you could almost write off because the Devils had to call up 10 guys from Binghamton. Um, you know, at that point, it's like, who, you know, this team is bad. <laughs> like, it's yeah. literally a half AHL roster. It, you, you cry when you, you look at the uh, list of guys who are not available to play. But this season, they really haven't had those massive injuries that have kept guys out for a significantly long time or had a significant player be out for a very long time. No no disrespect intended to Connor Carrick, mm. but you're not one of those guys. Well, um, yeah, so Hughes, Heischer, Palmieri have all missed time this year. But it's, it's a matter of uh, – you pretty much made the exact point I was going to. Like starting off the season, my thought was only injuries can possibly derail what's happening here. And I was – Completely wrong, obviously, because everything else happened except injuries. They've been actually weirdly fortunate about that, and I don't really understand. Um, but yeah, he, he's injury ninja's making an appearance in um, Ohio. He's making an appearance in Raleigh. There's a lot going on, a lot of places where his services are in demand. Yep, and since he is a ninja, he is able to do so silently and without anybody noticing. Unless you're playing one of those games where the ninja's like a comedy character, and it's like super obvious he's there, but you know, what. <laughs> Anyway, so specific, very, very specific. Um, anyways, um, so Chris, that there's, I guess, 15 seconds at least. I don't know if it's 15 minutes for this show, but hey, there you are. <laughs> Let's move on to another question that's a little more on the offbeat side from uh, someone's handle whose handle is inevitable trade, which I have a sneaking suspicion might be trolling me since back in the early days of Talking Red, we had entire episodes where we spent 10 minutes going on about, yeah, a trade is inevitable. They got like nine defensemen. <laughs> they got to make a trade. And of course, no trade happened because, you know, we're wrong. Um, <laughs> anyway, so that's his uh, handle. But his current name on Twitter right now is, or her name, I don't know if it's a, his or her, uh, Jesper Brat Stan account. Okay. I never understood why people freely call people themselves or other people stands. Like, I, li I remember the song when it came out by Eminem and... You don't want to be a stand. That's it's not. A <laughs> I think the degree has been significantly lessened. But yes, if you know anything about the history of that song and what the portmanteau stand actually means, I'm pretty sure it's not something that's. It's not a compliment. <laughs> no, but it's. I, I think colloquially, it's no longer that extreme. Right. Anyway, the question is: Is Dakota Mermis the greatest defenseman ever? Yes. Next question. <laughs> he is the he is the greatest defenseman in Devils history who's named after a state. Half of a state. Well, okay. <laughs> Half of a state. He I will say to his credit that he did have one really impressive uh block shot mm -hmm. in the San Jose game where you know it's a it's a four on four situation, but San Jose gets a two on one. Brent Burns had a legitimate net empty, like Schneider was totally beat on the two on one. Not much you could do, but Mermis somehow did a one eighty and he got his stick in the perfect spot to deny the shot in midair. Yeah, that that was cool. And that was cool. I don't know. It's this is obviously a, a joke question, but like he's he's done all right, you know. He's done okay. It, it's not like he's been the worst person they've called up, no. and Ooh. by no means is he the best. But still, like in a season like this, where you're basically just trying to get to the finish line, it's worth seeing what he has. Exactly. And related to that, this is the final comment, and this is more of a comment, uh, from Eric H., uh, who's at Team First Eric. I'm sure he's a big fan of teamwork. Uh, states, I am glad that Josh Jacobs and Colton White are slash have been up. Need to play 
to see if part of next group of defense as the group after Smith, Ball, and recent draft picks are still coming. Mm -hmm. So his point is that he he is generally praising the fact that guys like Dakota Mermis, uh, Frederick Clayson, who was recently acquired in the Vatnin deal, uh, Josh Jacobs, who was recently called up as coverage for this road trip, and Colton White, who was with the Devils, but he was sent down to make room for Jacobs, um, all got some minutes with New Jersey. And I can understand his point to say, hey, you might as well give him a chance because when Ty Smith is available, Ty Smith is going to go to the front of the line. Kevin Ball could be at the front of the line. And who knows who else the Devils pick up you know, in future trades and moves uh, this summer. So I, I, I can understand where Eric's coming from. I don't think... Colton White has played well. Mm-hmm. I don't. I definitely don't think Frederick Clayson has played well. And as much as we've just said that Dakota Mermis is the greatest Devils defenseman in the history of Devils who have first names relevant to states, um, you know, I don't think Dakota Mermis has much of a future either. But I can understand Eric's point. Yeah, I think the main point is to say basically before these young prospects that obviously you know Smith had a lot of pressure to play in the NHL even this year before these guys start coming up. I guess it's worth to worth seeing. It's essentially like cleaning out the pipeline. You know what I mean? It's like seeing the top part of it that's still left over from the Lush slash Shiro era before Smith and Ball lead the charge of the next couple of uh, defensive prospects that the Devils have. Jacobs, as we mentioned, is one of the few players left over that was actually acquired by Lamorello. So there's a lot. Uh, he's been developing for a long time, to say the least. So he should get some sort of opportunity this year before these kids all are of age to play NHL hockey. That's another concern as well that set back Smith this year. So, yeah, it's it's nice to kind of get to the end of that pipeline and see what they have because Jacobs has been a mainstay in the AHL affiliate, whether it be Albany or Binghamton for the last couple of years. Right. But I also want to caution everybody, especially as we enter the final, as of this recording, 19 games of the season. Yeah, 19 games of the season. I can count. Uh, The fact that, you know, just because somebody has a good game or makes a good play does not mean they're guaranteed or should get a roster spot for next season. Because, you know, at this point of the season, the Devils are just playing to play out the season. You know, you're playing for performances. You're looking for who who you're going to stick around, who could get a raise, you know, stuff like that. But, um, you know, let's, you know, don't, don't just like past seasons where like someone like Joseph Blandisi, just to throw a name from the past, looked good in like five games. Does that mean he's guaranteed a roster spot, you know, in 2020, 2021, just like Blandisi was not guaranteed a spot, um, after he had a decent run of games towards the end of one of the devil's lost seasons under, uh, Heinz and Shero last decade. So, but it's fine. It's fine to do at this point. And it feels like these are the the kinds of players that are going to be grouped into that this year are, you know, your Merkley's, McLeod's, um, Jesper Boquist has been sent down, and I'm sure people are just seeing him gain confidence back in Binghamton saying, oh yeah, he's definitely going to make it next year, but he's still got to try. Like, he still has to actually go through the process again, and he managed to successfully make it once, but it may be pretty competitive along the wings next year with... Um, I mean, Nolan Foote is definitely going to try for a roster spot. There, there's going to mm-hmm. be a lot of new blood coming in, and who knows, if they their pick is high enough, maybe they'll even get a shot. Absolutely, and I'm glad you actually mentioned two of those names, because mm-hmm. I have a question for you, Dan, because we just got through the questions from the people who matter, so I have a question for you. Well, first of all, thanks, people who matter. You're great. Yes, the people who matter indeed matter to us. <laughs> anyway, earlier this week 
on the deadline itself, the Devils sent Nick Merkley down in what I thought was going to be a paper move. Yep. But it turned out they actually reassigned him to Binghamton. And in place for this road trip, they've called up Michael McLeod, who has played in the Detroit game and in the San Jose game. And he'll definitely play in the Los Angeles game and likely the Anaheim and, and the Vegas game. He's here for the trip, I assume. Yeah. So knowing what we know now about Nick Merkley a little bit in the NHL, what you've seen from McLeod in the past and where the Devils are this season, and just as importantly, where Binghamton is. Do you agree with this decision to send Merkley down and effectively replace him with McLeod for the time being? I think that this decision to send him down has a little bit more to do with recuperating from the eye injury. Because Merkley was also, you know, Merkley was talked about as kind of like a quad A player. He was like hovering between, uh, you know, being in the AHL and low part of the NHL roster. So I think what it has more to do with is while they're on this road trip, it's a healthy amount of time for him to at least get in some games and get up to game speed as his eye keeps recovering because it did not look very good. And I'm sure like takes some getting used to but it's nice to ease him into that process i think that had a little bit to do with it and it's a good opportunity while they're on this road trip to really get to see how mcleod handles it for example but i don't think it's going to last long after the trip well i will say that uh, merkley has already played a game for binghamton since his uh, demotion he played it in the hartford game um or rather he is about to play in the Hartford game, I should say. Yeah. Um, but he he is already uh, projected to play in this game tonight. So yeah, I, I'd like call it an active conditioning stint in a way because the game speed is not quite NHL level, but it's enough right. for him to get used to seeing the pace of the game at least through that eye, which pretty much looked entirely closed after that injury. You know, I was wearing the fishbowl and everything like that, but it didn't look good either way. So I, I, I think that this. I think that that could have factored in, and like like you, I thought it was a paper move at the deadline as well, because he was you know playing pretty well. He was pretty present on the ice, and I'm sure they just want him to be fully caught up to any kind of game speed without the burden of like changing time zones, you know? Because I'm sure any sort of fatigue is not good for having to see. True. Okay, so with that sense, I can understand where you're coming from. Personally, I wouldn't have made this move. Just because I think Merkley has performed well in a depth role with the Devils. Not so much to say that he's guaranteed a job next season and that he should be re-signed for a while and whatever. But more more to the point that I think between the two of McLeod and Merkley, I think Merkley has already shown that, yeah, he can play at this level. Whereas McLeod, it's more of a question mark. And that's a bit concerning since we're, we're four years, we're about to be four years after he was drafted by the Devils. And we're starting to get to the point where you almost have to ask the same question of McLeod that we had to ask of John Quenville not that long ago last season to say, well, is it going to happen or is it not going to happen? Are you going to make it happen or are you not going to make it happen? Like, you know, but but if it doesn't happen, he's a prime candidate for exposure in the expansion. Oh, yeah, as well. Exactly. Yeah. The Seattle draft is going to be more of a factor with the moves the Devils make this summer. And I think everybody else's moves, because I think I'd like to think that the NHL teams, all 31 of them right now, actually, I should take that back, 30 of them, since Vegas is uh, exempt from the Seattle draft. Uh, they'll be more mindful about who they expose, so this way they don't suddenly realize, huh, we just gave a 50-point score away for nothing. Yeah. That could have helped us, Florida. Yeah. No, exactly. And I'm, I think it was a little premature for them to make that move, considering they had a lot of time to figure out the space to fit Trocheck in, but I guess they just wanted to get out ahead of it. However, 
I don't think the Devils have all that much to worry about in expansion, not like other teams. So instead of Seattle being the only active ones in pursuing deals to take certain players, like this is where they could have an opportunity to strike potentially as teams prepare for that draft the same way. Exactly. And since the Devils have oodles of cap space, and I do mean oodles of them, Dan, you know, they could swing, they could weaponize this cap space a little bit to uh, take on a contract for the purposes of exposure um, and, and get it maybe an asset in return on top, you know, for the favor, if that makes any sense, they, they could definitely make deals with that. Likewise, they could make a deal with Seattle to say, you know, we'll, you know, toss a third our way and, you know, we won't, we'll make sure that we take uh, Mirko Mueller. Um, I'm not, I'm making suggestions. I'm just making suggestions. Just as a hypothetical. Yeah. You know, I'm just throwing <laughs> the name out, just throwing a name out there. You know, if you want to take Mirko Mueller, I mean, Hey, you know, I ain't going to stop you. If you want to take, I don't know, a re-signed Kev- Actually, he's a UFA. He Miles may not be re-signed. Wood. Oh, yeah. If you want to take Miles Wood, I mean, hey, you need handsome, fast players. Ignore the defense. And uh, ignore the passing and the shooting uh, decisions. You know, you need you need players like Miles Wood for an expansion team. So, <laughs> by all means, take him and his contract, which is highly reasonable. And, you know... Hey, you got to introduce the Seattle people to dump and chase hockey. What better guy to do that with with Miles Wood? Yeah, so whoever it's going to be, I mean, it's so hard to tell right now. The Devils are in such a weird position in terms of this roster could look completely different by the end of July. And also it could look completely the same this year, but then look completely different by the end of next June when it needs to happen. So I, I don't know. There's... There's a lot of weird speculation that could happen, but McLeod needs to, you're right, he needs to get it together and needs to start contributing in some sort of meaningful way. And now he's being afforded an opportunity to do so. And I I don't think it, him and Merkley being on the roster is mutually exclusive either. I think that they could potentially get into some games together. Oh, yeah, they totally could. If it wasn't for the fact that John Hayden and Kevin Rooney are, you know, they're pretty much stapled to the roster at this point. Um, and the fact that Joey Anderson has been playing well, I mean, if Joey Anderson was struggling, I would almost suggest swap Merkley and Anderson. And there you go. Mm-hmm. You can have McLeod and Merkley even on the same line, but, uh, no, Joey Anderson has been playing well. So he is earning his minutes, so to speak. And he's playing like he, what he's doing is what I want to see out of McLeod. Mm-hmm. I want to see him earn some minutes, put in a solid wor- works of effort, do some good work here and there. Maybe get some special teams time. If you're, uh, if the coaches think uh, well of you and, uh, you know, show your potential worth. Speaking of Anderson, uh, Dan, did you know that L.A. has recalled Joey Anderson's brother, Mikey Anderson? Yeah, actually, that was something I was about to mention. Stick, stick to after Joey Anderson for playing well. And also, if you've heard the episode of the New Jersey Devils podcast um, brought to you by the team with Joey Anderson, he mentions that he and Mikey were fiercely competitive as children and everything they did. So I, I'm yep. excited to see if they like throw a couple hits at each other, but it must be oh, yeah. cool for Joey to see the NHL debut of his younger brother. So congratulations to the Anderson family. I'm sure they'll have plenty of people in town for that. And um, obviously good luck to Joey. And not only that, Joey, who who used to play for the Antar- Ontario Reign, and that's Ontario, California, not Ontario, Canada. No, he he's a defenseman. Mm-hmm. So there's a very good chance, a very good chance, Dan, that we will see some beef <laughs> between brothers. It's not going to be like a Jesper Bokvist, Adam Bokvist situation where 
the guys get injured in the same game. <laughs> I, I think Adam, Adam, unfortunately got hurt, like within the first two shifts and, um, you know, Jesper got hurt later that game. I, I think if I recall correctly, I remember the devils, you know, absolutely decimating the Chicago yeah. Blackhawks, which was glorious by the way. But no, Mikey, yeah, Mikey's 5'11", 200 pounds, doesn't have a lot of production in the AHL, doesn't have a ton of shots. He's, I guess, averaging over uh, close to two per game. So, you know, I'm not expecting a whole lot of that of him, but I could believe, you could believe, Dan, that Mikey and Joey could have an argument and, and start, you know, throwing down in the game. And and for a game like the Devils Kings, I guess you need some heat. Yeah. So. Let, let's have let's have a family explosion. You know that that's always brings the drama, right, Dan? Well, unless you're jacking Quinn Hughes, where Quinn Hughes just jukes him out of his shoes one time, and that's the extent of their interactions for the game. Yeah, or Jack scores a goal, and it's like woo, and, and it. Quinn's like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and really, like, I hope this matchup is the antithesis of that first matchup between not in the score and the result because the Devils won that game. It was yes. very early on the season as Jack Hughes got his first goal on the power play, but. There was almost zero interaction between them during the game, so hopefully yeah. Joey and Mike are able to provide some more entertainment now that they know, you know, the the reins are kind of off. You can get a little loose. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the Kings have. If you thought the Devils had nothing to play for, I mean, the Kings right now, they're the Devils you know, without the assets. <laughs> that's what they yeah, are. They're, they're they're the Devils if they didn't have Mackenzie Blackwood. Right. Without the sorry, yeah, without the goalie yeah. or the assets. Yeah, because as we talk right now, the Kings, while the Devils have, you know, like been winning some games in February, they actually have secured at least winning half of their games in February with their win over Detroit earlier this week. Uh, yeah, I know. The Devils have pushed themselves all the way up to 26th in the league. Oh. Uh, whereas in the meet, in the interim, the Kings have been uh, entrenching themselves in 30th since ain't nobody catching Detroit this season. Uh, as the Kings have a whopping 52 points out of 64 games. So they're nine points back of the Devils, and the Devils have a game in hand on them. Unbelievable. And so so unless you're, unless you're, you know, the Devils shut them out 3 nothing earlier this month. And I guess you could say the Kings are a good home team, except good with a question mark since they're 14-13-2. That's still a losing record. Uh, but it's better than 9-22-4. So... Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> they're also yeah they also are four five and one in their last ten so you know they're not exactly riding hot and uh, oh yeah they bleed lots of goals too and they barely score any they actually have 158 goals the second fewest in the league of course Detroit has the fewest yeah um, I guess what I'm really trying to say here is this that game's gonna be brutal <laughs> this game could be brutal but the Devils could establish to say we are not one of the two worst teams in hockey yeah well even though we blew it against San Jose we're not one of the two worst teams in hockey don't look at don't look at the numbers at natural stat trick don't listen to john on monday yeah we're not the one of the two worst thank god for that honestly they could really help their case and avoid you know further embarrassment but that being said there are a few um stick taps to hand out before i bring this episode to a close do you have anything else on the docket today john i want to congratulate uh blake coleman stick and... tap to blake coleman yep uh his uh daughter i believe was born yesterday mm -hmm. uh, having being a recent father myself the time really does go fast you start forgetting <laughs> things like oh yeah it's like five in the morning sure yeah. whatever um <laughs> jason was born in, at 11 10 you, you won't forget the time when he was born you just kind of forget like all the other things around it right but congratulations to the coleman's and um you know that's something as uh he put on his instagram uh his world has changed, and I can tell him his, it will change for the better.
All right, awesome. And yeah, one more stick tap from me is to Corey Schneider for securing his first win of the season against the Detroit Red Wings. And honestly, in the game against San Jose, it was for sure not his fault that they lost. Oh, no, he was the one guy who played for 60 minutes. The rest of the team, eh, nope. Yeah, looking like, uh, what was it, 2013-14 Schneider out there or 14-15? Pretty much. Yeah. It was at first. It's like, oh, the Devils are up to nothing. All right, they're helping their goalie. Hey, and then the rest of the game from the second period onward was like, guys, help your goalie. Guys, yeah. you're, you're you're getting bodied by San Jose, a team that hasn't bodied anybody. Guys, <laughs> that goal. How do, not, how do you not cover two men in a three-on-three situation in overtime? Yeah. Well, guys. goals for Corey is back in full force, and yeah, hopefully, for Corey here. hopefully we don't have to repurpose it for Mackenzie Blackwood, but that should bring us to the end of our weekend episode. I hope you enjoyed our new game of Hockey versus Shockey, and also thank you for the questions. We really appreciate them, and um, if you have any sort of... We love the weird ones. I, I think we talk a lot about the results of the games and things about the team and the roster construction, but we like to get a little creative, so thank you for the suggestions. Much appreciated, and as always, thank you for listening. That'll do it from my end. John, any uh, any departure words for the folks? Go Devils. Let's go Devils, and we'll see you guys next week.